0: Before we start this episode of Doctor Who's cast, we'd like to draw your attention to BLAM UK, a charity which promotes a truthful discourse of blackness through analysis of history by providing more diverse education for young people. Right now, you can donate to help BLAM organise free lessons on black history for children. And if you are a white fan of Doctor Who and want to continue to learn, educate, and be more actively anti racist, I'd like to recommend the podcast Woke Doctor Who who have done several episodes on how race in both the fandom and the show has been portrayed. I'd especially recommend the episode Martha My Dear, which goes a long way to explain the toxic institutionalised racism that we as Doctor Who fans need to reject in ourselves and in our community to create a better world.
1: This episode of Doctor who cast is brought to you by Tampax for Men.
0: Tampax for men. Um, what do we use it reducing... for? We'll never tell. Exactly. Um, well, do you remember James May used to say that he used to use tampons to, like, like have oil. Like, he used to, like, like get oil around his, like, workshop and he'd, like, poke them and etc.
1: I don't think James May has ever worked on a car throwing
0: it out there. <laughs> I get the same impression. I think James May does not know anything about cars.
1: Yeah, I I, think he and Brian are just, they just sit in a shed and bitch about Freddie Mercury.
0: Who's Brian?
1: Brian May, his brother.
0: Oh. <laughs> oh my God, could you imagine if James May and Brian May were? I'd watch them do a special together. I would not. Have you ever watch James May's? I don't think you would, you but you your dad James probably May's... would. True. But he did do that um, series like about those um, kids' toys and stuff. Do you remember where he made like, a garden out of like a Play-Doh? Yeah,
1: I, remember, I remember, that remember that show and I remember not watching it.
0: Oh. Well, that's... Like,
1: no, not for me. It's so, time we introduce our special guest for this week. Seamless, seamless segue. Our special guest, our very good acquaintance, Faye Lawler.
0: No worries. We haven't even introduced introduced what you're actually on yet, so this is quite exciting. <laughs> Doctor Who cast, or the Doctor Who cast. We're going to do it differently every time. I think that's next up, that's week will be the Doctor Wide Yeah. After that, the Doctor Weird and the Doctor, Doctor Weird cast. Yeah, you know. Classic puns from English literature students.
1: I'm Charlie Harris, and this is my glamorous co-host,
0: Will Paxton. I thought you were saying that. I thought that you'd like. Because Faye's much more glamorous than me. I was like, am I replaced? No, I don't think of Faye as
1: an assistant. I think of her much more as an equal.
0: True. <laughs> I can understand that, yeah. <laughs> um so Faye, what um welcome to the podcast. Um obviously this is the Doctor Who podcast. Let talk a little bit about your like love of the show. Like have have you been watching since season one? Oh,
2: yeah, definitely. where it kind of is the revival that, that obviously at school you just kind of don't walk around and say that you're a massive Dot Who fan but I was like
1: what school did you go to I talked about it all the fucking time no well this is really annoying
2: because like I was know, it's like a group of girlfriends where they're just like they don't really see that as a thing and so I, but I would like friends with them on
1: purpose. I respect you less so for I'm having been friends, friends with these people. Well, you know,
0: it's high school, you've got to, you know... you got to pick what you can choose in high school, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's really interesting, though, because, like, f- from a female perspective, like, I hear Doctor Who talked about between, like, nerdy guys, and especially, as, like, for me, when I was a f- six, six, seven-year-old running around at the playground, play- playground pretending to be Doctor Who... Like
1: but that would have been before the revival started.
0: No, no, that was when I was, yeah, maybe seven. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Around about that age. Um, but no, like, I remember the, the, the guys would play, like, the season one revival of Doctor Who and the girls wouldn't. And that, to me, was quite shocking because I feel in my heart of hearts that Doctor Who's always been a programme for both genders, any genders in between. Like, And it feels like we're there's like a, especially at school,
2: yeah, so. like I, I think well, I, I, one of the reasons why I think we started watching is because I had a little brother, and I think at time it was like a boy's thing to watch.
1: Do you still have a little brother, <laughs> Faye? No, I killed him a long time ago. Because you said at the time. <laughs> yeah, no, I've actually,
2: I've actually just sent him away now. Uh, we, we don't speak to him that much. <laughs> interesting at all like he just didn't like he kind of likes it but just doesn't really care um but i really got into it and just never really told anybody but would rewatch watch episodes for the next
1: episode here's a, here's a question here's a question Faye. when you were watching it did you in, in a way that when you're a child watching a tv show you want to be one of the characters did you want to be the doctor or did you want to be rose
2: Um, that's a really hard question, because definitely at that point, the idea of being able to be the Doctor hadn't really been a thing, it'd just be, well, obviously, the girl's the sidekick, and because I didn't want to be the sidekick, I went, well, I guess I'll just be an alien then.
1: I love that, I love that so much, you went, the third option, I really, really like that. It. Which creature did you feel the most similar to at the time? I really, really loved and it's obviously a little bit later than
2: this first season but I absolutely adored the Ragnos. So oh my God. Oh, the Ragnos
0: is such a good creature. I just thought
2: she was such a queen. I was like, you know what? I want to have those.
1: Did you ever want to be Cassandra? Um I uh no because she just was a,
0: such a cow all the time. Baking trampoline. And um, I just I'm, like
2: in the New Earth episode, um she I just hated her even more than I had done previously. <laughs> so when I saw her come back I was like, Oh, we're not done with you already, like
1: I loved Cassandra the whole time. She's one of my favourite villains in who in all of Doctor Who. I think she is so super. She has some of the best lines, some of the best delivery. I think she does, but one you know, one thing I did actually really know is
2: like rewatching properly, like not just rewatching from like a nostalgic point of view, but rewatching because I was like, Ooh, let's actually listen to this Um, I was like, Oh my god, the jokes are way more
0: on the nose and way more to the line. They really oh, yeah. are
1: no, it is for children because the children wouldn't get because the children wouldn't get these jokes, but the parents will, and it gives the parents a reason to watch with the kids. This is true, whereas I think it's definitely moved away from that, I'd say. To to what in what direction? Um, it's definitely moved more towards it being a little
2: bit more uh fluffy and I don't want to say PC because that's not what I mean. Um, just very clean. Like there's no kind of, I don't know, or oh, maybe there's not as
0: much tongue in cheek. Well, they've sort of moved away from the companion Doctor love sexual tension relationship to um, more of like a companion in best friend terms again in the, in the more recent seasons, you, you, which you is taking a lot bit, of the sexual layer. But there's out a bit of,
1: of queer baiting with Yaz and the Doctor. Yeah.
0: That's true. Have you heard that the um like the tabloids are really terrible about like reporting that Doctor Who's about to end every five minutes? But like they're suggesting that Yaz is going to leave at the end of this season and go into the new Torchwood team, and I'm like, okay, but what do we know about Yaz that like makes her apt to be a Torchwood member? Like I don't I don't want to like all get all this like s- sexual layering of Laz just dumped on me if she's in Torchwood. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't feel like it like, suits her character. Whereas, like, someone like Martha, I kind of get it more, because it was, like, that was written to be more, like, sexual, adult. Yeah.
1: I just think Mandit Gill yeah. should just do a superhero movie or something, because she's really fucking good. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, yeah she, like she her is her fantastic. Mom. The only thing I do worry about with kind of, obviously more recent by comparison, and obviously we're talking about that shift in terms of relationship between companion and doctor and, that whole conversation but I do feel like having
2: made the Doctor of woman played in my opinion it's great by Jodie Whiskers. Uh, but I do think they have definitely gone down a particular route where they make her a little bit like fumbly more so than with the blokes because I felt like with the lads it was really like charming it had like a charisma to it it made them really, like, you wanted to be around them, whereas at times I feel a little bit concerned. It could definitely be my own insecurity of, like, yeah, go girls. But I feel like maybe they're trying to, they play her down a little bit and lose that kind of,
1: you know, like, she's really intelligent. We could talk about this for a very, very long time, but we're actually here to talk about a much earlier episode, which we should probably start talking about now yeah
0: let's go back from season 12 to season one (laughs) let's go back
1: (laughs) yeah we'll call you back then we won't speak to you for a couple years (laughs) so season one episode four aliens of london written by rusty davis starring christopher Eccleston and billy piper guys what do you think of this ep
0: if i was to describe it in one word i would say domestic at home with the doctor. That's what this episode should be called. Really oh my called.
1: god, that could have been the whole season for me, and I'd have loved that.
0: Yeah, um, it's. What did I think of it? Th- what did I think of this episode? I, I, I like this two-parter a lot. I think for me, the letdown is in some some things about this episode feel a bit unclean. If that makes sense, it feels it feels like. Um, they're trying to do, Rose is quite a compact, tight episode in what they're trying to do. There are some problems, but, like, this episode feels like an expansion of Rose without the edges cleaned of it. Um, and, and some, I understand that some of that is to do with the fact that there's a cliffhanger at the end. This is our first two-parter. Two-parter special! Um, but, like, I also feel that some things are a bit unexcusable we'll come back to the farting aliens um Faye, what was your opinions
2: um the overwhelming thing was just that in places it hasn't dated well um in some of in some of like the like writing and stuff like that and it's, it's definitely because i'm watching it as an adult and reflecting <laughs> on it with so much time like you say, very domestic. Like, I kept being,
1: like, such good mum acting from Jackie, like... Oh, Jackie is brilliant this whole episode. She's just
2: humming
1: so hard, and I'm just like, yeah, you go Jackie. Um, here's a question. When you say it feels different watching it as an adult, do you think that's because you're watching it as an older person, or more because you're watching it as an older person in 2020? Is it because of the time that's passed, or is it about the amount that you've grown since watching it? I think it's probably a bit of both, actually. Yeah. Um, Being an adult in 2020 and how much things have changed in terms of what you should and shouldn't maybe
2: say, but then also just reading into things that I definitely wouldn't have done way back when it ended. Just take it as like gospel, like, right? yeah, that is what happens. But when you're an adult, you're like
0: Yeah. You just you just question think a lot more, I think. I feel like I'm finding myself fill in a lot more of the dialogue lines than I ever remembered as a kid. Like each individual dialogue line that I now see. I'm like, I wonder why that's in there. And when I was a kid, it was just like the next set, the next piece of expositionary dialogue before there was yeah. a monster, or before an alien craft, uh, an alien spaceship crashed into Big Ben.
1: Um, I wonder if that's a generational which thing, I will say, much good more, special effects. That we are much more media literate. That we, particularly, say our social our social group, we are more likely to read into what we watch. Yeah. So I I, wa- I wonder if that. And part of that will be the rise of social media and the, and the internet and all the stuff like that. But I, 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 do wonder if that is just quite a personal. That is just quite a personal thing. Yeah,
2: very possibly. Like I think one of the ones that kind of stuck out. Like, and I think maybe will you will like, refer you to it a little bit with just before the spaceship crashed and it's like. And Rose is kind of like, no one knows about aliens. And so then it's like, aha, Rose, everyone knows. <laughs> because
1: obviously you have a spaceship that sounds like a barge. But it does sound so much like a barge. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, and at that, that moment
1: beforehand, it was a
0: I think what you said about panto is very apt for this season one it's it's very sort of tongue-in-cheek with everything it's like it's sexual without being explicitly sexual it's overt and campy without being um too overt you're right but they do say the word sexual
1: in this episode
0: is that a sexual relationship
1: Uh, is a sexual relationship it's like yes we all want to know that but we don't ask How, what, what are your opinions of Rose and the way she acts and the way she, that she carries on in this episode? I think she's actually, considering she's like supposed to be 19, I think it is, yeah. I think she, she takes the bollocking of off her mum really well. <laughs> she does. She's I so think, humble. I don't think at 19, I would have taken it that well. I think I would have been like, you know, I'm going
2: to go and travel the universe, mum. Leave it out, yeah.
1: I think at 19 I'd have probably told my mum everything.
2: Yeah, like, I I, the, I think there's a, you do get a real sense of her loyalty to the daughter in that sense, the fact that she's not even telling her mum. But then also, I am always, I will never not be so curious about her relationship with Mickey.
1: Because it, it's always on, and then it's never on. It's always it's always at a simmer. It's never at a boil. Yeah,
0: I always I think that it'll be. Quite I always I think that it'll be quite interesting from this and I'm going to make a note of it. Is from this episode onwards, count how many times that Rose kisses Mickey on the lips from this episode or on the cheek, because it happens continuously. Like even like towards the end of season two, when they're like broken up for a while, they kiss each other on the lips, and I'm like, you, this is terrible, Rose. Like you've made your I choice. Also, though, mean is like not you be like I don't really want to break up my boyfriend who's
1: at home, but if girl go... especially not if for you it's only been a couple of days it's not like she's had all these crazy experiences over a year like it's been for Mickey yeah.
0: I suppose that it also is answers answers the question of like I would say the doctor is rom- it is portrayed as romantically sexual and ro- ro- so romantically interested in Rose without necessarily having a sexual dimension to it. So how, if you're Rose Tyler, as a 19-year-old, are you going to fall in love with an asexual alien who yeah. doesn't want to have sex with you? Um, um, and how to satisfy that part of your needs?
1: Only two Doctors have been explicitly thirsty, and that is McGann and Tennant, in my opinion.
0: Oh, fair. you have not seen the Doctor Who movie. Oh, have you seen the Doctor Who movie? No, I haven't. Oh my gosh, you need to watch that clusterfuck of a movie. It is
1: insane.
0: (laughs) It is insane. It has everything. Like it has everything you don't want, but you also love.
1: (laughs) It's like it's like a fan movie. It's like a high budget fan movie. <laughs> when when quarantine's over, can the three of us watch it as a, like with a drinking game?
0: Yes. yes. <laughs> that sounds wonderful.
1: Every time there's a shoehorned reference to the classic series, drink. You have to create the rules. Yeah, I will. I like to play God. <laughs> well. well, oh well, that brings us on to our next Jack. Man, What are you singing, that rock? I- <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Can we introduce that, like, every time? What do you think of that actor? Hey,
1: what do you think of that actor?
0: What do you think of the actor?
1: We're working on it. By season two, we'll have it, sir. Maybe, 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 we'll,
2: maybe we should just go,
0: the Doctor. Well, I think we should go, like, like, the, like, we should have the Doctor section. It's like, we're going to do the Doctor section, and then it's just like, washing machines, live longer with cow gone. Like, nothing to do with the Doctor. <laughs> Just a just a random audio. <laughs>
1: just like a totally unrelated, a different jingle every time.
0: Yeah, that's our surprise, ding ding. Yeah, like everything. Oh yeah, no, that's great. Right. Um, well, that's sorted. Um, having said that, what do you think of the Doctor?
1: I think Eccleston is really, really good in this episode. Yeah, when I watched it as a kid, I
2: hated Chris Eccleston.
0: Why did you? Yeah.
2: felt like half of the jokes in his book were every planet has a North. like, But not actually saying that. I just felt like that was the subtext of everything. and It really used to wind me up to no end. Um,
1: I didn't even know what subtext was when I first
0: watched this.
2: Well, I just remember being like, everyone else is Southern and he's just from North and he makes a thing of it all the time.
0: (laughs) Is that just self-hating Northerners though? (laughs) Just like, oh my god, he's got representation on TV from the north. Fuck you! <laughs> and I
2: was always like, he's so windy, he's not very happy. Like a, like a child. <laughs> and like, Northern sad Man, you annoy me, but I like your show. <laughs> <laughs> As an adult, watching back, I, I really, I kind of look at that child and I think, you know, you have do you know, and actually, it's, it's, um, it's much more enjoyable now, I think. Yeah, I think he's he has a lot, there's a lot more depth to it to him than I was able to kind of decipher at that age.
0: I think that some things they get in terms of the moodiness, ro- like moodiness, wrong. I think especially towards Mickey. Like just there's no need to be so aggressive towards Mickey. You have met this kid once. You've met him once for about I don't know 20 minutes. Um and in previous previously you didn't care if he was dead or not. He was like oh I forgot about that. Um then then when he was alive realized oh sorry yeah yeah I've I I forgot that he could have been alive. Sorry Rose. And then leaves leaves Rose. No, leaves Mickey, and then a year later, he's just being an arsehole. But then he's useful, and he's like, I
2: still don't like you, though, well
0: Yeah, this is the thing. It's like, if you look at the companions in terms of, like, at this point, currently, Rose as a companion has got herself some, is is independent of spirit and is is well written. But in terms of her, like her role as a companion in terms of helping out the doctor. She's not that useful. She ends up most of the time she's the last two episodes especially, she's all she's done is just got captured and knocked out. Like um whereas Mickey's first first interaction with the doctor is that's a funny thing that um aliens aliens are putting the world on red alert by invading. First point is a good The
1: doctor says like, good question and good I point. The doctor, the point. The doctor does point
0: that out, in fairness. And then immediately goes into fuck off. I'm swearing way too much on this podcast. I think the reason why he does that, though, is
2: because he's just, like, trying to get away from his jealousy that this is a person that is half with Rose and half not, and he's so in his head about, like, mm, that's not going really to work, I'm not going to entertain that idea, so I'm just going to be a dick. Uh,
1: yeah, I, I also I also think... I I think the doctor's vulnerability in this situation comes from the fact that he could lose Rose. That Rose is very scared the doctor will leave her, but at the same time, he's very worried because she almost didn't come with him. Mm. He was, I I think to an extent, he's worried that if she sees how upset her mum is, if he sees how upset Mickey is, and she remembers that she does love Mickey he will be on his own again. And if you look at it through the context of what does the Doctor have to lose, rather than what does he have to gain by being mean to Mickey, what does he have to lose by Mickey taking Rose with him, in the way that he took Rose away in the first place, I think it becomes a lot more, not necessarily nice, but a lot more sad, I think. Yeah. But um, I, I agree. It, it does sort, You do think that at 900 years old, he'd kind of grow up a bit.
0: Literally. Well, I think it's quite... Reading into that, I think it's quite a nice thing where this is the first episode you see the Doctor go into the TARDIS by himself. It's not Rose and the Doctor in the TARDIS together. It's the first time that the Doctor comes in. And his way of just, like, skipping up... To the TARDIS. He like, does a little jump. He does like a little two-jump. He then like whirs around oh my- the machine. He hits and, like, it with like, a hammer. Slows it down. He hits it with a hammer. Yeah, he hits it a hammer. And then he sort of like tinkles it to just press it. And then like smiles at it. And folds his arms as it's oh, going. So cute. And that's A, wonderful acting. Christopher Eccleston, well done. But B, I think, going back to your previous point, I think that the Doctor would... The fact that we're seeing the Doctor do that in, by himself in the TARDIS is... Proof that Rose is working to sort of help with PTSD. It's getting, it's like that sense of the old magic doctor back. Because before, our introduction to him in Rose is all doom, gloom, death and pain. Until, like, he has those interactions with Rose that show the, the brightness of him. And that's what I like about this, is that it's, it's almost like he's being brought back to life by Rose. And so I get, I more understand the jealousy.
1: I love how excited the Doctor gets when he thinks that this is the first time humans and aliens are going to bridge a gap. I, I love how into the idea of this new world the Doctor is, and he's so excited. And we've seen him excited a bunch of times in this season before, when it's, you know, end of the world, when he meets Charles Dickens. But I think that there is something so... Because, maybe it's because it's set in our time that he's excited about a thing that we'd be excited about? Hmm. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean.
1: Really, I think that's really exciting.
0: Yeah, and it sells it for the audience as well. If the doctor's excited about a new thing, like it makes me much more invested in the episode.
1: Yeah, I I, yeah. I agree. I agree with all that. But um, speaking of Glee, immaculate segue. Let's start talking about this week's monster slash villain of the week.
0: Um, the yes. Pig. Um, the, the the pig. Can I? That can
1: I? legs and kills everyone.
0: Yeah, it's really scary that pig. But... All right, let's end the episode there. We've talked um... about the
1: pig. <laughs> Does the doctor eat that pig um... afterwards? That's what I want to know. Oh, possibly
2: not. I always thought the doctor was a vegetarian, but that's something that I
0: definitely projected. <laughs> I could see that. I imagine Jackie put it in her shepherd's pie at the end. Um, so we've got the Sladeen that's the in all seriousness, we've got the Sladeen as the main evil. And um, I just wanted to read out Joseph Green's MP title because um, I found it quite funny. Uh, jo- Joseph Green is the, me- the, um, the now acting Prime Minister who previously was before uh, MP for Hartleydale, Chair of the Parliamentary Commission on the Monitoring of Sugar Standards in Exported Confectory. So he's the Minister of Treacle. He's the Chair of the tr- Chocolate. Um, think of any other puns here. Like he just, he's in charge of he's in charge of all things sweets. And I was like, if you couldn't get any more latent with your subtext about fat people liking <laughs> fat people being just is,
1: is this episode fat shaming?
0: This episode is fat shaming. Oh, definitely. Like, it, it basically
2: says that, you know, if Slavine are real for a minute, let's live in that world. Uh, you can't be a Slovene and be thin. But,
1: um you can, you can later, in an episode of Sarah Jane Adventures, they you
0: fix it. You can indeed.
1: They get a bit more advanced, and, it, and it's not only fat people that can be stolen well, by the Slovene. But at this point,
2: we haven't evolved to that point. Maybe Slovene at this point haven't worked out how to make yeah. the skin conceal them completely, which is fair. Like, you know, they're quite long. They're long, long,
1: there's, there's, long. A narr- there's a narrative reason... Behind, there's a narrative reason behind why the Slavine are fat but the, it, there is sort of this <laughs> I'm just thinking are there any other episodes of Rusty Davis that are a bit anti-fat and then I started thinking of Partners in Crime
0: oh my god yeah yeah
1: <laughs> where it's you know living, yeah. the living fat that
0: somehow
2: because they were cute you kind of get a little bit
1: distracted <laughs> I definitely did I um, because because they fart, which I imagine will come to at but, some point. But I think it is. worth pointing oh yeah, I, out I have many things. David Berry, Annette Badland, and um, what's his name? Uh, Rupert v- Vansittart. I'm reading these off a list. I did not memorize them. They all. They <laughs> <are Shit>. all. <laughs> <laughs> they all seem to be having an amazing time, just farting so Definitely. much. Like Annette Badland, she loves this episode. She loves playing Margaret. Um, she's One thing really. I really want to say just before we move on, just emphasizing. finally.: Go on.
2: Can we talk about the zip thing?
1: We well, okay. sure. Yeah, let's go. Let's do that. I love more than anything in the whole world that you can't see the zip until the zip is going to happen. And then... <laughs> But to the zip.
2: great.
1: Yes. But, but, the pl- but the policeman yes. at the end, you can see his zip before he starts. He just takes his hat off and you can see a zip. I know. And then I was like, wait, is there zip there the whole time? And then obviously, it's, because I'm a Doctor Who fan, I fill in my own gap and go, there's
0: probably like a perception filter where you can't see it until you know it's going to happen. Oh, we talked about this on previous episodes. We create headcanon as we go because we're Doctor Who fans.
1: I just think it's weird. It, it's just anything they didn't think would notice. It was made before the age of analysing every single frame, so I think... And also... Let rewinding. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: No, actually you're wrong about that, because this is the first episode of Dr Heel I ever watched with Sky Plus. Was
2: it? Really?
1: So I watched this episode a bunch of times, which I couldn't with the other ones.
0: Wow. Yeah. Do you know what we used to do? We used we used to, we, I used every season for the first three seasons, I used to buy um, DVDs that were blank and record all of them onto my DVDs. So I found them the other day and I've got on my, I, I've got a Christmas Invasion one where I'd, where I'd been so geeky and found the Radio Times newspaper for the first ever Christmas special and cut out David Tennant and Christopher Eccles, David Tennant and Christopher Eccleston, that wouldn't happen. Uh, David Tennant and Billy Piper's face and then put it on the cover of the DVD. That's how cute I was as a kid. Eventually I'll read out my Doctor Who um, fan fiction I used to write when I was five. That will be a podcast episode in the future. Oh my God. Oh, I'm
1: so sure excited. Like... Yeah, I, I yeah. think
0: uh, Shall we talk about the farting? I just want to go back to the zip,
1: actually, because I've, I've got a thought on this. So I was going to okay. say it later, but since we're on it, you know. Those are really, like, basic... Earth zips. Like, yeah. attach this really alien technology. And not kind of in a TARDIS way, where it's whatever the Doctor could get, he just kind of throws on to make the TARDIS. This is really advanced technology in which you can enter someone's skin and more or less convincingly walk around. But they've got, like, a gap a gap zip. <laughs> yeah, they've been to, like, a rag market somewhere, haven't they? And got, like, got a really good deal. Arts them. and crafts. Yeah. I've got a it's bit so of, funny. A bit of I've a, you, know, you know, I've got their,
0: got their nan or something to, like, sew it for them. If Doctor Who was real, the zip would get caught. and It's like, fuck's sake, fuck. Oh Deborah, can you fucking help me with the zip? Fuck's sake. What about, like, people's
2: fringes? Like, that is a nightmare waiting
0: to happen. Oh my god, yeah. If you get your hair caught in the zip, that's like... That's a bad hair day waiting to happen. <laughs> <laughs> if Imagine if the... Imagine the slitheen took off its face, and then all you see is just hair, like matted hair, all around from all the hair it's got trapped.
1: In the zip, no, no, they try, when they zip it up again, like, the fringe, the bangs get, like, stuck in the forehead.
0: Yeah, yeah, literally. The captain's hat's half stuck in it, it's like, sort of pull it out from the zip.
1: I think you'll find he's a general, general ask with, not a captain.
0: Oh, sorry, sorry, did you get that from the list? that you? No, I got it from the
1: people. episode that I watched three times. <laughs> what is your favorite moment in the episode?
2: Okay. Um my favorite moment in the episode. Um oh, I really love loved and I just I don't really know why. I really loved references to like just things that just don't exist now. So like top up cards. Oh yeah. <laughs> Even like you think that alien be my favourite things, but because I already love those so much, and like the narrative and how they can stand under a door
1: frame and they are saved from this atomic explosion um, That's next episode I
2: just like just reference, in the, in the special Oh like, in the two-parter, like across them, just the littering of just, just cultural things that are so 2004
1: I just love it. Yeah, it's um. So <laughs> I love that. I also, I, I also love just how you mentioned the top up cards, but also just how inane everyone's reaction to it is. Yeah. So they're watching the alien. Oh, you'll never guess who asked me out? Billy croote And I want to know who Billy croote is.
0: Oh, I thought it was Billy Crew. I wrote it down as Billy Crew because I also wrote down I want to know who Billy Crew is, and I want to know if he's better than. Uh, Jimbo,
1: I want to know if he knows Shireen. Who we never see, but we have heard of in every episode so far.
0: Yeah, Shireen has yeah. been mentioned every episode. Shireen's Rose's best friend. I also want to know if Jackie's bought them a
1: dressing gown yet. <laughs> well, she never buys the dressing gown. The guy just leaves it there because he stays over. But, like...
2: Oh, I, feel less, I feel
1: less nice. I mean... I would much prefer if she makes all her gentleman callers wear her dressing gown, because that is an amazing dressing gown.
2: Oh, God, yeah,
1: definitely. So I love that Jackie has two modes, which is dressing gown and supermarket shopping.
0: Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I know that we're on Best Moments, but can we just give a bit of, like a Best Supporting Actress like like round of applause for Camille Kadouri's performance of Jackie in this episode? No. Okay.
1: No, because she's not the best, and I'll tell you why. Because the Chinese neighbour is the best supporting actor. (laughs) Because she says exactly what I'm thinking this whole episode.
0: The savagery.
1: She's like, no, apologise to Mickey now. I'm like, yes, absolutely. She is so right. She's the only one that's going,
2: is there no justice in this world? Come on.
1: She is the only one in this entire universe that isn't scared of Jackie Tyler. <laughs> but
2: also, though, can we just talk about the fact that
0: Jackie thought Mickey had murdered Rosie? And started rumours all around the estate. like.
1: But also not the stranger who she'd gone off with, like, who'd turned up in the flat. Yeah. And, like, it
2: sounds like Mickey's been living in his flat just hibernating
1: for a year.
0: Smelling his shoes. thinks he's a murderer. Yeah, it was that line of like, "Have you been dating anyone else?" It Was like, "No," because everyone th- thinks I've murdered you, and I was like, "Poor Mickey." But,
1: but also, but also about about Mickey. I think we're going to speak more about Mickey, which is just. just um, is it, oh, oh, I didn't sit on my backside for twelve months. Yeah, you know, I I read up. He's like, no, you typed. You went on Google. You did what Rose did in. You were still the on your backside. Episode that took for like two minutes. Let's not. You didn't, like, get a PhD. In... You're not Clive now.
0: Yeah. What, well, how long did it take, Rose? Three searches on Google? Just typed in blue box, and it was like,
1: who is Doctor Who? Every history book, every website. It's like, okay, but everyone... We've established in an earlier episode that it's so easy to do all this. <laughs> like, or, or maybe that's just or maybe that's just Mickey, but the fact that Mickey took, like, the long way around to get to the same conclusion because he's thick. Like, Oh. No, no, I, I'm, I'm asking, is that what the show's saying? Later episodes counteract this, but is this episode saying <laughs> that Mickey's thick because it took him a year to do what Rose did in five minutes?
0: What, when we talked about Mickey and Rose, sorry, Faye, you weren't here for this, but th- this is what I can report back, um, is that Mickey had t- said some terrible lines of like, here's my woman, get in the bedroom. Um, like only here for this etc is there a match on he's creepy he's awkward his first ever like moments in the tardis he he walks in on all fours because he's so scared um like he's just a bit of a, a mess and a buffoon and then this episode i feel so much sympathy for him because chris freckleson's being a dick and that's inconsistent with rose
1: no because he still hasn't like run into a wall
0: yeah he still hasn't run into a wall
1: he still has him not appear until halfway through the episode.
0: Yeah, true. And he's hanging out his football shoes as well. He's like...
1: He also has him running away from the police.
0: I thought when I first watched the episode, he ran into another bin. <laughs> he ran away from the police. <laughs> oh my god.
1: Return of plastic Mickey.
0: <laughs> Literally, I thought it was like... I, the, the recurring theme is just him going to keep on running into bins.
1: I, um, I would have loved that if that was just the recurring bit. Mickey and bins is just like a recurring motif just to express that he's a garbage person.
0: Yeah, Ricky on the parallel Earth like gets killed by a Cyberman in a bin. Like... <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That has to be a something you write down and come back to because there's a theme. Uh, definitely. We were once upon a time talking about best moments where we've had a good, good amount of time to talk about Jackie and Mickey uh, Charlie, what was your best moment?
1: I'd say my best moment is just general Londoners' reaction. I love that there's a guy that gets out of his car, looks at the spaceship, and goes, just my luck. And I'm just saying, yeah, this must be really hard for you. <laughs> I love how accurate it is about that specific element of it.
0: I well, I I this is my favourite moment, but this is a this is an action where it's not accurate at all. Um, First of all, just briefly, I'm going to mention the the the, the small line "bloody Ken Livingstone," which I was like, oh, "I heard that." Stan, I love yeah, that. Yeah, just like just like in the in the tiniest bit of the episode. Um, but the sec my favourite bit of the episode is where Chris, um Christopher Eccleston walking towards the TARDIS and all those Utes and people like shouting and banging their fists and then the line reading of oh, "I need to find it now." Um. It's it's the line reading of it's the line reading of hey gorgeous come back and join the party. I was like,
1: do wow, it, do it, weird. doctor, <laughs> get some. Yeah.
0: And then and then the unrealism of a sign saying L O E T with an E L L O. I yeah. was like, I can imagine a scenario. They get two poor Welsh runners to like excuse me, like we need to we need to have some like like, signs? We need to, like, paint something on a mattress. Do you think we, you can use these two, rub like, shitty mattresses? We use them on the Gelf, it's fine. Um, can, you, can you use two of these mattresses and write something that's, like, alien-like, but also council-state-like? like? And these poor runners like, what the fuck am I supposed to write? So they go, L-O-E-T.
1: I mean, those, those flyers of Rose being missing, I mean, Jackie has a lot of them, but they look really new. Whenever you see them on the estate, considering she's been gone a year, it may be that she's constantly replacing them because she's awesome. But there are there are no like old ones. She's on yeah. She's not going to get found. That's not going to work. She's just, looking through.
0: <laughs> she's just looking through them every day. It's like, why have they not been found? <laughs> oh my so god, Jack i love it. like,
1: She just decided to do it that <laughs> week. Yeah. <laughs> Because also, <laughs> she still clearly has a social life because Billy Crew asked her out. There's <laughs> like a little bit
2: of honest
0: subtitles or like I kind of love the, that. My favourite line about the Billy Crew thing is the fact that she. There's no context to it. She just walks into the room with all of her friends and "Who do you know who asked me out? Billy Crew. Sits back down, doesn't say a word. There's, yeah, there's no follow up. It's <laughs> she's never like. She just wanted to tell people. No one's like, oh, there's that's no nice. Call-up.
1: It's just. Uh, <laughs> um... <laughs> Aliens. Ch- cheers, Jack. <laughs>
0: I love that. Um, no, shall no, shall no, we I move on to... to what, 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 just one more tiny thing I really want to say. Oh, oh, oh no, no, go, 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 go. go. So, the doctor and Rome was
2: running from approximately East London to Westminster, and they're not even swaying.
1: Yeah, it's supposed to be, like, from... They in about three minutes. Where are they, where are they based? Is
0: it... Uh, they're in Peckham. It's actually South East London. So, they're in Peckham.
1: They run from the Pound Estate in Peckham not, it's not too Westminster, it's just somewhere where they can see Westminster from. But
2: they're not even sweating, they're not even breathing heavily. And I was like, have they used the TARDIS? Have they just stepped
1: out? No, they've, and, like, they've established they've not used the TARDIS. Is. I love it. I really love that. Um, <laughs> and I
2: was like, I would look awful had I just ran across
0: London. Well, it's not even just across London, it's from the top of the high rise estate that they're on. Down all of those stairs. There doesn't seem to be a lift because we've established that in Rose that there's no lift, um, and and then then to the centre of London and they're fine. They're chill. They've had to do like a hundred steps steps plus a three mile run and they're fine.
1: Like because in these last few episodes, Rose hasn't done that much running.
0: I London, London <laughs> Wait, sorry, say so that again. I could, as how full you thought London was.
1: This is London, according to Cardiff.
0: Yes, London as shot in Cardiff. Yeah. <laughs> right, let's move on to least favourite moment, because we're never going to get there. So, least favourite moment, it's probably... Um, it's less of a moment and more of a general thing. I'm just... I'm a bit... The lighting in this episode is piss poor, I think.
1: It's really weird.
0: It's, it's like... I understood it when you had the Gelf last week, and it was, like, all orange because of the candlelight. But, like, the lighting in the base with, like, the blue and black light for the pig creature just looks like someone's been shining, like, a UV light around and doing a science project. Um, Yeah, imagine if there were
1: handprints everywhere. mm. (laughs) Like a black light.
0: (laughs) Have you (laughs) ever been to Cyberdog? Oh! It's literally Cyberdog. That is the. That is. That's exactly it. And I was like, the pig has obviously been there when there's a sale as well, because it's wearing exclusively
2: Cyberdog. So maybe this is not Cyberdog.
1: What I don't get is when they take the when when they use the zip. It's a really like good idea to have it go darker and just have really heavy blue light, but then just have them do it in the dark because. Do they absorb? Do they do they automatically turn off the lights, or does the technology absorb lights? Because the the lights are already there, darken significantly when the Slovene is coming out, and then it goes back to normal.
0: And I think that would have been a quite a nice twist of a reveal potentially earlier in the episodes. If the lights had gone to black and all you saw was just this blue light in the corner. And then you and then you see a Slavine eye, and then that would be more effective because the the, the zip sound effect turning into the creature it happens like five or six times in the episode, especially at the end. There's like a montage of all of them getting out of costume, um, with Joseph Green's stupid laugh. <laughs> He's like, for God's sake, get some perspective, woman. That's my favorite bit. That's my favorite. No, my favorite. I hate the farting, but my favourite fart, apart from Margaret shaking it, shake shaking her booty. Um, oh, like apart from that, she's great. Which is which, which is wonderful. Is him going like just before he goes into the room, and he's like the the codes, and he's like yes, <laughs> blimey, like that's my favourite. It's just like the yes, cracking, <laughs> blimey. It's it's great. It's just the the delivery great.
1: Um, can I talk? Can I talk about my least favourite episode for a sec? Yeah, of course you can. It's not so much a least favourite episode, but something that just feels like two different versions of the episode that they splice together, because I feel like there is a version of the episode where the Doctor goes, okay, I'm going undercover, I'm not going to throw this alien into the mix, and then immediately gets thrown into the mix, and is really happy about it. It's when he's in, he's like, oh, I'm not getting involved, there's a fake alien, there's a real alien, I'm not getting this alien involved, and then the police come, and they're like, you're under arrest, and he's like, no, we're not under arrest, it's an escort. I don't understand the like the tracking from those three bits. That's true. They feel like three different so, episodes. I think that that kind of um, pattern
2: maybe gets more refined and seamless as the writing of General Doctor getting in and out of trouble narratives happen. <laughs> so like it usually always starts with no. No, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, and pretty much immediately
1: goes, Oh, okay. And suddenly, you're at the feet of like a huge yeah. thing that's gonna happen. I know, it, it just makes so little <laughs> sense oh, it's to
0: so me. What's your least favourite moment? Oh, my least favourite moment.
2: Um, my least favourite moment because it made me want to crawl inside myself. Jones saying, I'm hardly one of the babes, I'm just a backbencher. I hated it. I hate it. I hate the use of the word babes.
1: I hate it. That is a very specific reference, though. But also, I do also hate the fact that it's like, this man manages all of the sugar. What on earth makes you think that there is sort of structure or hierarchy in this government <laughs> but um just, just interesting fact about the babes thing it is actually a reference to the fact that I think either in the 2005 or 2001 election a load of female Labour MPs were elected were elected, and they were called Blair's Babes
2: yes I do remember
1: that but oh so I was mansplaining I oh, that's thought it was but equally i i hate babe. It it does feel really it does feel kind of dated especially for an mp then to say it it's not like a tabloid thing
0: it's also penelope wilton saying babes it's like i'm not sure if i buy it
1: i love penelope wilton so much
0: (sighs) yeah she is she is great um, Harriet Jones in this episode, we haven't talked much about, but she is nosy AF. If there was no alien threat at all, she is just straight up breaking the law consistently before there's any, like, notice of anything going wrong. Like, she's like, oh, okay, let's just wander into the cabinet room. Oh, okay, let's read all of the emergency files for no reason whatsoever. Oh, okay, let's hide in the closet. What is she doing?
1: Is it just that she's nosy?
2: From her later episode, in a very like small town, because she starts talking about how like you know her mom's in the hospice and she needs this and she needs that, and I was and I'm like listening to her, and I'm like, oh, this is such a contradiction to what she's like later.
1: She has su- no, but she has such an arc. She's in three episodes or three stories, yeah. and it's yeah. an amazing arc. Yeah. Because she goes so far the other way. So I would say, yeah, I would say at this point she is just nosy. And
2: obviously there's, like, you know, she then starts talking to Rose and just bursts into tears about the situation, which...
1: She did just see a guy, she did see a guy die in sorry. fairness.
2: Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, it made me feel a bit more sorry for her because before that point I was judging her very harshly. And I was like, get <laughs> because
1: she's... Was, was, anyone, was anyone else really getting, was anyone else getting Theresa May vibes? Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Like, she is going to be Theresa May in
0: the film
1: of Theresa May at some
2: point. I just
1: want to see her dance to Dancing Queen. I mean, the whole, kind of say, the whole supporting cast in this episode are great. Um, Nabin Chowdhury plays Indra Ganesh, and I really like that actor because he's in Touch of Cloth.
0: Oh my God! Of course he is. That's where I know him from. Ah, oh, him giving descriptions of all the dead of all the dead bodies, and it's like uh, and and the murder scenes where they have to go through so many layers of tape. Oh, it's hysterical. Be careful, girl.
1: It's like a crime scene in there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the best show. I love Touch of Cloth. Why are we doing a Doctor Who podcast? I will say that i I was sad that he died I understood that someone needed to die to show the threat of the Slavine. but what in the, I, this is a I suppose a spoiler for the next time but like in World War three he kind of his role gets basically exactly replaced by the new sergeant yeah and I want him but I want to, I, I would have liked him to be kept in some way because I think his interactions with the Slavine would have been funnier um at the end um yeah um
1: you know who's also in this episode, Naoko Mori from Torchwood.
0: Yes, her first role as Tosh, te- technically.
1: But Tosh isn't a doctor, which makes it really confusing <laughs> why she's in that situation.
0: And it never... So I just watched the whole of season one of Torchwood. I was like, finally, I'm going to get the answers to like the Tosh situation. Of like, that's such a cool thing that she shows up in the first four episodes of the thing. And... Tortured season one does such a bad job of explaining why everyone's there, like it's terrible. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like, uh, I, I tortured season one is a is a failure of TV. Tortured season two great. Tortured season three, cry worthy. Tortured season four terrible. But anyway, like season one does such a bad job of like establishing the Doctor Who connection.
1: The um the reason why she's there it was explained. I think it was explained in like a novelization or something. Um, so it was Torch Exit Wounds, which I think is, oh no, that that's an episode, I think it is of season two of Torchwood. And what they basically just say is that Tosh was only there because Owen was meant to be there, but he was hungover.
0: Oh, for fuck's sake, that makes it even worse. <laughs> that's even more annoying. I would have quite liked that. It gets, gives him the comeuppance for being a bit dick to the Mickey. Um, shall we? Shall we move on to Easter eggs? Because I want to talk about the, the. For me, what's the most important Easter egg of this whole thing? Technically, and I, I'm going to lump this into Easter egg category is the birth of the Doctor Who news team. That, for years to come, are are um, like recurring characters almost, and Andrew Marr obviously. <laughs> the Doctor Who News team and Andrew Mar for some realism. Um, and Matt Baker for some realism. Yes, exactly. It, um, I, I like them all. I like them all. In this first episode, I, I was sh- shocked that the US news set looked like something out of the 1970 An- Anchorman film. No, as in the, the Command set in the 1970s, not the 1970 Command film. Um, that will be an amazing find. Um, but it uh, is... Another it's, a, another, it's,
1: another, Easter another Easter egg. Um, the... I think the cake that they make on Blue Peter, the UFO cake, I think it's made with jelly babies.
0: Fuck off. It
1: is. I
0: Those <laughs> are jelly babies, That's mad! That's most you thing to do! I love that so much! <laughs> Zoom into a cake to check what's in it. I love it.
1: Yeah, I love that we both went... It
0: doesn't look like the nicest cake in the world, I will say. No, it, it, it
1: really didn't look that appetising.
0: It really didn't. Like, the sponge looked really, like, dense. It'd be used
2: to be, um, the cocktail sticks as well. I was like, well, that's going to
1: kill you. Um, and I think this is the first um, revival series appearance of Unit.
0: Oh, yes, that's true. And they get killed off immediately. <laughs>
1: but they're very different to how they are in season four. Because here, their uniform's slightly different, but also they're the United Nations Independence Task Force, which is what they were in the classic series. But then, the UN objected to their name being used to to represent a paramilitary international organization, so they changed to the Unified Intelligence Task Force.
0: That's amazing, that's so interesting. Well, I think that's that shows the success of the show because they they didn't care about that in the seventies. Yeah, those the United Nations didn't give a shit when Tom Baker was walking around swanning around. But like, as soon as it's like got some stakes, they're like, no, 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 we can't have so we can't have the unit in the same episode as green farting aliens.
1: Yeah, well.
2: blink the wrong way. Just
0: want to add that in. Oh yeah, they do blink the wrong way. <laughs> Maybe we're blinking the wrong way, but.
1: Eyes because they the wrong way. I think next That's week we will him. talk more because about the Slytherin as we see more of them. But right now our next segment is called Sexy Moments or Not That Sort of Doctor. Ooh la la. <laughs> this is the first mention of sex in, the, in I think all of Doctor Who. Yeah. Although they did, say pol- they did say pollinating in episode two.
0: Oh yes. And they said concubine and prostitute. In episode two. I'm going to use this opportunity of talking about um, sex to bring up the fact that Rose says to the doctor, you're so gay. Um, Which, as Faye talked about earlier, like has not aged well. But as a gay writer writing this at the time, in 2005, is this supposed to be a comment on how that in our lexicon is the first port of call, especially in 2005? Or, uh, but the, the problem with that, with my reading of that, is that that's what I want to think. But it just, it's, it's just so jarring when you hear it now, especially in Doctor Who. That I don't, I don't think it needed it included to make a Torchwood is the show to make that point and then really hammer down on that. So Doctor Who, like it, although it has like with the, with the creation of Jack, Captain Jack, and etc. If you're gonna put something that's quite like a, a it's a It's a trigger. It's a slur word. It's quite a derogatory term. And you're going to use it to essentially emasculate the Doctor. Because that's what it's serving to do in this. It's serving to emasculate the Doctor because he's been slapped by Jackie. Um, I find it's a weird choice to include. And in terms of the sexual nature of the Doctor, like, it's it's starting that sort of, like, couple teasing of, like, emasculating, emasculating the Doctor. Which... Is the first time that's ever happened in Doctor Who that he's been compared to, like, a man, and now, I suppose, a gay man. That's, it's, a, it's a very interesting choice.
1: There's, there's something... Uh, this actually came up. Um, so, the remark caused some controversy in fan circles, some seeing it as an anti-homosexual slur. Rusty Davis, who is gay, wrote in an email response that it was the way people talked and claimed he was trying to provoke discussion by using the phrase. The problem with that is there is, then, no discussion. They just move straight on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's my problem with it, is that if, if you're going to critique something, you can't just critique it by saying it.
1: It was 2005, and it was just probably... So they thought they were being edgy by saying and proving Doctor Who is, you know, much more modern and less dated. I think it was them trying to be cool rather than them trying to be homophobic.
0: Well, I think I skipped over it entirely, which shows that how um, it was in, in the lexicon it was. I, it's only jarring me now. I was like... Wait, what did he say? What did she say? I was thrown. Yeah, it really, it really, really jumped at me. And I was, it, it was, in some ways, um, I can't remember which episode of the two it is, but
1: there's one where there's Levine goes to say bollocks, but obviously she doesn't. And for some reason, Rose saying, you're so gay, felt more... Jarring.
2: That way, way more, and I think because and when this movie is gonna obviously curse because you know that's it, it's all over. They um, it's very it's very tongue in cheek and it's very funny and it's like you know where it's gonna go but it doesn't. It kind of dips its toe into oh, nearly said it. Whereas this is just so explicitly like said and then like say not addressed. Yeah. You're just kind of left like. Is there a reason for that, or are
0: we just gonna like what's happening there? Yeah, yeah. And if you're going to if you're going to use that phrase, I would suggest potentially potentially using it as a phrase in the empty child doctor dances storyline where you have a queer character and can address it and can actually like one one and as opposed to just putting it out there. I know it's not written by Ross Two Davis, but it's a, it's a weird inclusion in this particular story.
1: This doc, this doctor is presented yeah. as, he's presented as straight, even even though he doesn't explicitly have heterosexual relationships, he is, pre- he is presented as a straight as a straight man for intents and purposes. So, the intention is that you're calling a straight man gay rather than what we know now to really be a pansexual alien gay. Yeah, I, I think also the way we view the doctor has changed because the way we view. What is a default person has changed.
0: Yeah, I think that's very true. I think at the time we we, we would have said the doctor was a um, a, a straight alien, um, and whereas now we can use terms like pansexual and um, non-binary and etc., and we can understand those terms and what it means to be the doctor in in those terms. Um, at at least we can doctor, understand doctor, what those words um, mean. I think even if we
1: don't fully know what it means
0: completely completely um the only the twinge of sexiness i got was when he gave rose the key. Yeah. that was when i found it was, was sexy
1: That was really hot
0: yeah i found that hot especially cuz it was a especially cuz it was covering up a lie i know that sounds really like dirty but hey se- sexual sexuality is different from morality it's fine um, what turns what turns you on doesn't necessarily have to be in the in the confines of um a moral moral person, but like it's the fact that Rose is like you're gonna come back, right? And he's like, instead of doing this, I'm gonna I'm gonna redirect and give you a TARDIS key. And I was like, oh, you dog, you sexy lying dog, you. You,
1: you know, I I read it I read that scene totally the other way. I saw it as she has left her family behind, and now she's scared that the doctor will leave her behind because. He clearly isn't comfortable doing the whole domestic thing. She's scared that he'll leave her. And so, in a very sweet way, I think, to make her feel more safe and more secure in her position with him, he gives her this key.
0: That's a nice reading. And I I see definitely shades of it.
1: I don't think it was a manipulative thing. I think all he had to do was say, no, I'm just going to go for a wander. I'll come back, don't worry. But he's like, No. no, I'm giving you this to show you that I'm serious about keeping you around if you want, and I think that's such a lovely gesture, especially knowing. It was like a right of passage moment for Rose. I think she just—you can see it in her face. She's just kind of like, you "Trust me, I'm important." Yeah, and it's like she kind of then
2: is like, "I can walk freely around because I have a stake in this now."
1: Yeah, that and Which is up, upgrading, her phone, upgrading her it's phone, upgrading her phone in the end of the world, as well. There's a few like... He does nice... He, yes. my fa- some of my favourite extra moments are just when he's nice. When he's nice to Rose. Because when he's mm. nice, he's really sweet. Yeah, yeah. And it's not him showing up. It's yeah. not him being nerdy. It's just, not him it's being brilliant.
2: Trickery.
1: It's just him being very, very well, human. Yeah. So I really like that bit. I think that... Yeah. I mean, there's, a, there's that bit where Mickey and Rose get back together. And I don't know whether or not I want... I'm still not sure if I want them to... At that moment. Because even then... Even as early as that, he knows that he'll always come second.
2: Which is not really great foundation for a relationship in real terms.
0: But, uh... No, ex- exactly. I think it would also be more impactful if they... Like, half... They, they, sort of, they sort of had a discussion and then didn't get back together and sort of left awkwardly. I think it would have made the scene where... Mickey is in Father's Day and runs up to Rose as a kid and hugs her, that would be so much more meaningful if she's, like, being hugged by a person that she has got an awkward situation with but still deeply cares about. Like, that, I think, yeah, that would yeah, make that it more powerful more instead powerful. of the sort of, like, half getting back together that happens. You, you definitely go in that episode, a
2: slight segue, you definitely, in that episode, do a bit of the 360 on their relationship because you go, this isn't necessarily a romantic relationship in the sense that it's lustful it's just two people that have grown up together and have a lot of care
1: and love for each other and so that's a lot more emotionally taxing yeah does it feel a bit like a brother-sister relationship to you
2: definitely gives me those
0: a bit. I think it's I think it's the vibe of like they've known each other all their life and especially when it goes into season two is that it goes um much more into not necessarily brother and sister relationship, but just knowing just had each other being safe in each other's company. It's like that they are they can be, they can be themselves in each other's company. They've known each other all their lives um, and there's just a sense of home and a sense of safety. And that's why I like Mickey in season two a lot better than season one, because it feels like the Rose situation, the Rose stuff, has been kind of sorted by season one, and and season two just allows them, with Mickey obviously still having being a bit heartbroken about everything, but season two allows them to more connect on the they've known each other a long time route. But
2: even as far as Mickey and the rest of Rose's family, like it does bring up questions for me, because like we're much much further into. It the series like like following series he is there at every single point you know at every single point where you think our oh, rose is done now she's back and mickey is there with her family mm. and if you plot back to this episode where it's like jackie is accusing him of murder but then you've got that lifelong thing where she's known him since he was small that does a little bit raise a couple of things to it, but then I'm like, is that
1: something that would just sort itself out in terms of knowing someone as a child, or then as a teenager, then as an adult? Is that something that just And that's you know, something we can, out, I suppose. We can talk about um a bit later on. I've noticed that every time we try to talk about Mickey in this episode we just all get a bit sad.
0: I know I know, I feel so bad what happens to Mickey this episode. But then also he was such a dick in Rose
1: <laughs> Yeah, a year before. So um finishing thoughts, Faye. I think it's a good,
2: it's a good couple of episodes. I enjoyed it a lot watching it back. I've not revisited it in a long time, um, and I think it definitely sets up a lot of questions for moving forward. And I like that a lot about
1: it. Yeah, uh, what would you give this episode out of nine? I
2: would say
0: about five.
1: Okay. Interesting. Well,
0: um, I would give it a. Uh, I would also give it a five. Because uh, I think that the best parts of this um, two-parter actually come in the next episode.
1: I'm going to give it a six. Nice. Um, I think if it wasn't for some things that I really didn't like, um, it would be as high as a seven. Because I think there are so many wonderful bits of this episode. I, really, I, I do really like this episode and I, still, I think parts of it have still aged really, really well. Um,
0: and I think everything that Jackie Tyler does in this episode is wonderful as well. MVP. That, that, that pushes it up in my book, books dramatically. Well, that's it for episode four. Thank you so, 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 so much for listening. Um, thank you so much, Faye. You have been wonderful. And because this is our first part of a two-part special. We are going to end on a cliffhanger. Ooh. Oh, and of course, what better way to end the podcast with some big, scary Dalek music. Bring on that Gold choir, baby. Will Faye get over the fact that Jelly Baby Cake was fucking disgusting? I know I won't. Will Charlie ever be okay with those farting jokes? Will uh um, be able to have sex morally? Why not? Fuck it. Tune in next week to find out.